You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. guys remember playing tug of war and uh you always had a couple of people but you had the anchor on each end of the of the rope and usually the anchor they would tie the rope around the the big guy tie the rope around at the at the end or person um so that they wouldn't be moved and today we're going to talk about holding the line that we will not be moved. And I'm going to show a little video in just a second, but I I really have felt so um, impressed on by the Lord to hold the line. We've got to hold the line. And even someone was praying during worship, we've got to hold that line of of who God's called us to be and what he's called us to do. So uh, why don't you go ahead and show that video for me, Okay. While uh, he's getting that video ready, um, I saw this earlier on Fox News. I saw it a couple of days ago with Sean Foyt and him talking about the challenges he's had in Seattle specifically to bring worship. So um, Sean Foyt was on Fox News the other day and he had gone, he had planned to have a worship service in a park in Seattle. And Seattle actually closed the park and put fences up around it so they could not get in. But what I loved about his thought process is he was not detoured by the fences. He changed his announcement uh, because they just had a, um, a protest. Seattle just had a protest the day before where they were throwing those, uh, what are they called, Molotov cocktails at the police, right? So he changed it. Instead of saying a worship rally in the park, he called it a protest, which made it legal. He could not gather for worship. And the Seattle put out uh, an official statement. It was because of the concern of people being in close proximity. Of course, the, but if you have a protest, then it's legal. So they had 12,000 people show up. Perfectly legal. He, he held the line in what God had called him to do. And he adapted to the obstacles he faced. And we're going to talk about that today because we're, we are, um, you know, we're being pressed on every side. We're being pressed on every side. And we may, may not be in the midst of it like California is. And, you know, we've got threats of arrest to Che On in his church, to, uh, you know, MacArthur, the other pastor, uh, that I, I forget his name, uh, John MacArthur. But there's another pastor that's been billed uh, so much per day. Uh, He's up to $55,000 in fines. Uh, Cheon said that uh, they will have to go to the Supreme Court. 
that may take even a year, but if they gather, he'll be arrested. So right now in Florida, we may not be facing that, but there are other things that God is calling us to also hold the line. Every day when we go out, we have that challenge to hold the line every day. So I want to talk about that today because it's important for us to understand and really just to agree to gather and, and, to, and to know that today may not be my day that I am fully pressed and, and forced to make a decision, but it may be your day. And I'm agreeing with you in the strength that resides in you through the Holy Spirit that you can hold the line. I'm agreeing with you, and you're agreeing with me. And that's what it is. You know, there's strength in body life. There's strength in body life. And we may not have everybody here, but we have all these people watching online. And everyone watching online is bringing strength to what we're doing here as we are bringing strength to them. You know, there's strength in body life. So I want to talk about this, and we're going to go to 1 Samuel. We're going to talk a little bit through the uh, book of Samuel. Uh, 1 Samuel 1 is where we're going to start. I don't know why I don't mark my books ahead of time. I just don't. I just don't. So one of the ways we can hold the line is through intercession. You know, there's, there's great power in our prayer. And, you know, we've been doing the firewall uh, that's been going on across the United States where there's 24-hour day and night prayer. If you haven't gotten on there, you can private message me on Facebook or just let me know. But we are holding the line for what God's called us to do. We're holding the line and we're specifically praying for the election. And we're holding the line there because we are responsible for stopping any attack that's going to thwart God's plan. He has empowered us with everything we need in partnering with him and his supernatural powers, however he wants to send them, angelic, whatever. We talked about that last week, how King Hezekiah had the whole army ready to attack him, the Syrian army ready to attack him, and he interceded on behalf of Israel. And God sent an angel to destroy the enemy. Hezekiah never had to step out his door and battle the enemy. The Lord went first and the enemy retreated. So however God wants us to hold, he wants us to hold. But part of the holding of the line is through intercession. And I just want to talk about Hannah for just a minute. And I'm going to read uh, verse 9 uh, out of chapter 1. And Hannah is barren. She is not able to have children. And, and she is devastated by that. Her heart is grieved. And it says, so Hannah arose after they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat of the doorstep of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed, uh, prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction, on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. She was specific in what she asked for. 
She was very specific in what she asked for. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Hannah knew what she wanted. And this wasn't the first year she had interceded. She had cried out day after day, year after year before the Lord, give me that male son, give it to me. And she interceded to get the breakthrough that she needed. And it's interesting because her breakthrough wasn't just for her. Her breakthrough was for everyone. You know, when one person has a breakthrough, we all benefit. When one person has that ability to get through whatever it is that's keeping them from getting there, and has that breakthrough, everyone benefits from it. And if we look at verse 17, she goes, she's before Eli, and, uh, oh, I just wanted to mention, you know, her friends taunted her because she didn't have a child. Think about the things that you intercede for at times that people tell you, you should just forget about that. You don't really need that. If God wants to do something for you, he will. It's intercession that breaks through for us. It's that prayer and that heart before God that breaks through us. And Hannah was faced with these women around her that taunted her to make her feel like she wasn't deserving enough. So, we hold that line on intercession. Anyhow, verse 17, it says, And Eli said, Go in peace, and the Lord of Israel, the God of Israel, grant your petition which you have asked. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the women, um, I'm sorry, so the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. You know, when God meets our intercession, now she hasn't even conceived yet, but she just knew that she knew that she knew that God was going to move on her. We intercede, we intercede, we intercede until we feel the breakthrough. And once we feel the breath of God on it, then that peace comes with it. And the manifestation is given. So we have to battle for that breakthrough. And we all know that we've all been through seasons where we've battled through something. But her breakthrough in intercession brought her multiplication. She didn't just get a son. She got a son plus three more sons plus two daughters. Once she had the breakthrough, she had the anointing to multiply. So think about that. I, you know, intercession is hard sometimes. Sometimes we cry dying that. Sometimes we're, we wake up in the morning and Lord, I've asked you this, I'm sure 563 times, if not 1,563 times. But I am not going to let go until I hear either a no or a yes. I'm not going to quit in the silence. And when I get my breakthrough, I know that that breakthrough comes with an anointing to multiply what I've had breakthrough in. We know at the gathering we have had breakthrough in healing and miracles. 
but we have, we, we contended for that breakthrough. We prayed and we went after God and we did everything we were supposed to do. And we prayed healing, healing, healing. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Why no? We're going to contend and contend and contend until we get that breakthrough. We have an anointing for healing and miracles because we've gone after it and gone after it until we had the breakthrough. Hannah went after it and went after it until she got the breakthrough. Then she carried an anointing for multiplication. So that intercession, that's how we hold the line. We hold the line, we intercede, we press in until we get the breakthrough. And then once we get that breakthrough, we carry anointing for that breakthrough to multiply. That's good, isn't it? You know, God gives us these things that we can take a look at. And, and of course, she has Samuel. Samuel has been given to the Lord. He's serving Eli. And uh, let's go to chapter 3 and verse 11. Because breakthrough also, I'm sorry, holding the line will also take us through testing to see if we're going to be obedient to the Lord. And Samuel goes through this, this whole process. You know, the Lord is calling him. He doesn't recognize that that's the Lord. He goes to Eli and says, what can I do? What can I do? What do you need? The third time, Eli keeps telling him, go back, go back. The third time Eli says, say, um, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So we're going to go into verse 11. And it says, then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears, it will tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile and did not restrain themselves. And therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Now, Samuel's not an old man in the Lord. He is a young boy hearing from the Lord. And Samuel lays down. And it says in verse 15, it says, he lays down to the morning and opens the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. You know, sometimes that when we hold the line, we're going through a point of testing. We're learning how to hold the line through this point of testing like Samuel's about to have. Samuel is afraid to tell his mentor, the priest, the, the one that is over the, the holiness of God in Israel. He is afraid to tell him that the Lord is about to destroy him and his household. And Eli, verse 16, it says, And Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here I am. And he said, and he says to him, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me. Of all the things that he said to you, then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing. And he said, and Samuel says, I mean, not Samuel, Eli says, it is the Lord. Let him do what he seems good. So Samuel goes through this testing time. And we are tested. Are we going to hold the line 
against something that the Lord has shown us because we're afraid of what man is going to say. We're afraid of what someone's going to respond to. We're going to, we're afraid of, I mean, Eli calls Samuel's son. And you're going to tell someone that you see as a father figure that the Lord has given you the word that they will be destroyed. That's a heavy weight. That's a heavy weight. And so Samuel has that choice early on. He can hold the line of the Lord or he can try to pacify Eli who knew that he had gotten something. He could have said, well, it's not that bad. But he held on to what God had said to him. It's that holding the line, how important that is, because that was a time of testing for Samuel. That was a time to see, you know, is he going to do what God has called him to do? Verse 19 says, so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as the prophet of the Lord. You're passing the test. Let's people see who you are. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to say something else, but we may move on from there. And then it says, verse 21, then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel and Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. So as, as you know, when you think about the Lord revealing himself to you, you growing in stature, you growing in wisdom, you growing in the intimacy with the Lord, that God is revealing to you what he's called you to do in this season. He's revealing to you what position you're holding in that tug of rope, tug of, yeah, tug of war. Are you the anchor that's keeping everybody held down? Are you the first one on the line? Do you remember sometimes when the rope got a little slippery and your hands would get burned by the rope? We were tough back then. They were like, shake it off. You'll be okay. <laughs> Nobody was like, oh, let me take care. No, it was like, you'll be okay. Okay, so let's, let's move on. I want us to really think about this. Um, the Lord gave me a vision the other morning, and I was sitting there, and I was just kind of minding my own business, and I just... You know, I was just like, Lord, I want to just be there in, you know, our favorite place and, and just talk to you and, and just talk about the things that are important to you. And, you know, I said, I really want increase of, of who you are and knowing you and that intimacy with you. But I also want increase in revelation and understanding where we're going and, and what you're calling us to do. Um, so I just asked him, I said, how can I serve you better? You know, how can I love you better, Lord? And immediately there was um, this picture, this vision that I got. And um, it was like being in outer space. There were a little bit of stars or galaxies. You know, I could see little things, but it was dark. It was really dark. And, and Jesus was standing by a steel door frame. And I was like... Oh, wow. You know, I didn't know what to think. I was just, you know, in this vision and, and I could feel this invitation to come through the door, uh, through this door frame. There wasn't a door attached to it. It was just the frame, the four sides. And I thought to myself, yes, of course, I, I definitely want to go through. And as I walked toward it, Jesus stopped me 
And he said, this is serious. And, you know, I was like, I don't know what to think. He's saying to me, if I walk through there, it's serious. And I'm thinking, I am serious. And, you know, there was just this moment of pause in the whole thing. I was just standing there, this moment of a pause. And um, I thought, I said, I do. I want to step through. And as I walked through it, um, he was like, your life will never be the same if you walk through the storefront. And, you know, that, I mean, that's a big statement. And I really felt like this vision was for all of us. It wasn't a personal, individual vision. I felt like it was a personal uh, call of invitation from the Lord. That as we walk through these places that he's calling us to, it's serious. And it will change our life. I was really puzzled by his words. And I, and I stopped and I looked straight at him. And, and then I stepped the rest of the way through. And as I stepped through, on the other side of it, it was all bright light, all bright light. And there were these balls of light that were coming at me very, very fast. And they had, you know how you see it in the animation, how they have kind of wind marks around them? They were flying through the air toward me. And, uh, <laughs> and it was so funny. Um, he said to me, you catch them, you consume them, and you release them to others. There's a refocus of your time and your energy. And I opened my mouth, and as long as I had my mouth open, they would just continually just fly into my mouth. And it reminded me of uh, the word, you know, where it says, you know, the word is like uh, honey to, our, to my mouth. It's like honey to my lips. And... Um, and he said, there's no limit to how much revelation light is available. There's no limit. I was like, okay. And then the vision was over. He did say something to me after. I don't know. I may share it later, but we'll see. Um, oh, no, he did. That's why. I, that's, that's right. This is why I'm preaching this. I knew there was a point to all of this, right? Um, this is what he said to me. He said, Trump will win. There's a tremendous battle for his office. We cannot let up. We must hold the line. We must hold the line. And um, whenever I share something like this, this is not a political message. It's not a, it's not a Republican Democrat message. You know, my call is to share what I believe the Lord has given me. You know, you test it, you weigh it. Uh, I'm glad to talk to you about it. But I want you to understand that if we don't declare what God has declared, then people don't know how to rally behind it, right? So uh, I want you guys to pray into that. But what I really want us to understand is that there is more than, a, more than we can consume, more than enough revelation being poured out from heaven. There's more than enough being poured out right now. There's more than enough revelation, not only in a rhema word, a prophetic word, that is being poured out of the word of God. There's more than enough. 
that directs us and guides us in how to hold the line. And I want to just talk about this a little bit longer. I want us to look at uh, 1 Samuel 15, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I, I, I want to talk about this just for a minute because um, Saul has become king. And really Samuel was the person that facilitated the transition from judges to king for the kingdom of God. He was the facilitator. He was the last judge for, of Israel. And then Israel transitioned to uh, uh, a people of kings. And even if you read the whole story of Samuel, his whole life, you will see that Samuel was not happy about the people demanding a king. He was not happy about that. And God told him, he said, you must not grieve over this any longer because they are not rejecting you as, as the judge of Israel. They're rejecting me as the God of all. And Samuel went through these battles of uh, frustration with what was happening because the people could not see the goodness of God and what God had given them. And we know that that is a cycle. That is cyclical of the people of God. You know, so there's days that we just think God's the best thing ever. And there's days that we just whine and do whatever we want. But God is still God, right? God is still God. So First uh, Samuel 15, 1, it says, Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the vo voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish uh, uh, Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he went up from Egypt. Now go attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have. Utterly destroy them. Do not spare them. Both kill men and women, infant and nursing child, um, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Samuel did. He said, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and destroy them all. However, he decides not to destroy them all. Verse 10, it says, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel and says, I greatly regret that I've set Saul as the king, for he has turned back and followed turned back from following me and have not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. And he cried out to the Lord all night. And in the meantime, so when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, he was told, um, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he set up a monument for himself. He set up a monument for himself. And so Samuel is sent in to hold the line for God. He's sent in to take the leader out of position. He's sent in to clean up the mess that Saul made by not doing what the Lord had said him to do. And not only did Saul not do it, but verse 23 says that Saul, about Saul, it says, for rebellion is as, sin, is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. 
Rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is not a personality trait. It's not. Oh, they're just stubborn. No. It is not a personality trait. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So not only was Saul disobedient, God called that witchcraft. He called his stubbornness idolatry and iniquity. We've got to rid ourselves of disobedience. We've got to rid ourselves of stubbornness. We've got to rid ourselves of the iniquity against God because we're not listening to what he tells us to do. Because we can't hold the line if we are in conflict with the person who's given us instructions on how to hold it. We cannot hold a line when we think we know better than what God knows. We cannot hold that line. And Saul, 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 Samuel grieved over Saul's sin. He grieved over him being removed as king. And he goes in and he kills King Agai, which is who Saul decided to keep alive. He kills him. He takes care of all the things that Saul decided not to do. And Saul comes back and says, it's because I was afraid of the people of Israel. We've got to break that stronghold of fear of men. We've got to break that, that holding on to someone else's opinion over God. That's the way we hold the line is we cannot say, I'm worried about what they're going to say about me. If I declare what Lord has told me to do, if, if I do what God has told me to do, if I declare what he's told me to say, if I do what he's told me to do, I can't worry about what's going to be said. The only way I can hold the line is if I hold on to the line of God and not to the line of culture or friends or people or whatever that is, whatever that little Achilles heel is, because we know it says rebellion is witchcraft and stubbornness is idolatry. We've got to hold the line with complete obedience, with intercession. We've got to hold the line through the testing of God in our lives. We've got to hold the line until we see the breakthrough. And God can move us on to that next thing. I wonder what you're looking at. I'm like, what's this? But we've got to hold that line. And the only way to hold that line is to step through that steel frame and say, God, this is serious. You are serious. And I give my life completely unto you. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it takes. And I'm going to tell you guys something funny. I told Karen, I said, I didn't write this down. She said, you need to write it down. So when the Lord was saying, you know, uh, something about your, I don't know, nothing's going to be the same. Your time is going to be reordered or whatever he said you know what oh there's a refocus of your time and energy you know what I said can I still play tennis <laughs> now this now I know that sounds weird 
Yeah, I'm in this middle of a vision with God. I mean, it was, it was like being there right in front of him, talking to him. But that's the thing that came to my head. I said, can I still play tennis? <laughs> and, that's, and you think, how unholy is that? You've got this whole thing going on with God, and you're worried about where you can play tennis. But you know what? God is God. And he knows how we work. He knows how our brains work. He would much rather us ask the question or say it out loud because he already knows. And there's something about the freedom of being able to be completely transparent and and completely unguarded with a holy God that loves us, that's got a call on our lives. And we may think, God, I don't know what that looks like, but we don't have to worry about knowing. We just have to worry about being, being with him and knowing that his best is for us. And this transition that we're going through, this this crossing over that we're moving into, this place that God has you holding your line at, will be the breakthrough that the kingdom needs in this season. He's not asking you to hold the line for you. He's asking you to hold the line for him. He doesn't need us to do it, but he has chosen us to do it. And we are more than enough to get it done. We are more than enough. So don't let anybody taunt you into thinking what you're interceding for isn't good enough or shouldn't be fulfilled. Don't let anybody try to get you to compromise what God has spoken into your heart or what he's given you to declare over the people or over the region or over your family because you are the only one that can hold the line in the position that God has given you. You are it. God has anointed you to hold a specific line for him, to walk through a journey with him. Otherwise, when you let go, the other people in the line feel the slack in the rope. God is calling all of us to hold our position. He is calling all of us to not waver He's calling all of us to that intimate, uh, transparent, silly, strong, serious, whatever it is for that day. That's what he's calling us for. And he's done it because he knows he can count on you. He knows he can count on you. And he will get you to where you need to be. Because that's who he is, and that's his job. And I always say he's really good at his job. He's really good at his job. He never falters. He never fails. He is always faithful. He's always pure. He's always holy. He's always trustworthy. He is always, always God. So holding the line is not too difficult for us. You know, Deuteronomy 30 says... The word is not too difficult for you. It's near you. It's it's with you. So what he's asking you to do is not too difficult. Because he's given you a body to support you. He's given you the supernatural that half the time we never even see. And he's given you the anointing and the Holy Spirit to do 
everything he's called you to do. Everything. We don't have to worry about it. We have everything. And he's just asking us one small step at a time. One small step. And what's so funny, he goes before us and he goes behind us. So if we lean a little back, he's got the little nudge. If we trip a little forward, he's he's right there. We never have to worry about it. Because God is always a God. Amen. God, we just thank you that you're always God. If you guys will stand. God, we thank you that you're always God. And God, what we thank you is we can scream and shout. We can lay on the floor. We can worship you. Because you have built eternity in our heart. Ecclesiastes says that eternity has been set in our heart. And it's just waiting to be connected to you. And God, now that we've flipped over and our heart is just one, it just beats with you. There is nothing we can't do. There is no call on our life that is too big, that's too hard. There's no place in holding our line that will be too difficult because you are with us. So, Lord, thank you for being our Father. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for dwelling within us. God, thank you for a family that we can celebrate with, that we can lean on, that we can depend on. God, thank you. And God, just thank you that we will win. We will not be defeated. We will not be held back. We will not be discouraged, God, because we will win. Your word says that your people win every single time. So God, we will win. And we've already won because we have you. So the victories we have are sweeter day after day, day after day. And the challenges we have will be uh, even more victorious because we will see the goodness of our Father pouring into what you've called us to do. So no weapon will formed against us will prosper, God. No enemy will have victory because the mighty hand of God is on us. And Lord, we just thank you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.